0: Episode of Welcome back to another episode of The Farm Report. Uh, this is Justin Ladd, and this week I'm joined by Jacob Benji, who is covering the Columbus Clippers for us this year. Uh, first of all, if you're listening to this, uh, either Memorial Day or the day after Memorial Day, whenever... Um, we hope you enjoyed your Memorial Day and, and thanks to those who gave their all Memorial Day. And uh, Jacob, thanks for taking time today to do this with me. How you doing? And why don't you introduce yourself to everybody since this is your first trip around the farm. For sure,
1: Justin. You know, I'm doing well. Hope you're doing well, too, uh, after this Memorial Day weekend. Uh, really appreciate jumping on the podcast. You know, been spending, this is my second year at Ohio State that I just wrapped up and spent a lot of time covering Ohio State athletics and now getting to cover some professional baseball. That's where I aspire to go in my uh, professional career. And so this opportunity has been great so far. I got to cover two series in Columbus so far and, you know, it's been a mixed bag of sorts, but uh, Columbus uh, is definitely going to have to rebound heading into Indianapolis next week.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's been a tough week up and down the system. We'll touch on all that. Um, Jacob, where can everybody follow you at? And also, um, how did you. I know you have some other background in minor league baseball before IBI, so why don't you kind of uh, tell everybody about that as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on social media, usually just with the Jacobbench handle. Uh, just simple, real like that. But uh, in minor league baseball, you know. I grew up in Dayton, and so with the Dragons being, you know, just about 10- or 20-minute drive away, my younger brother and I were season ticket holders, and we'd find ourselves there every night, every other night, down there at Fifth Third Field, and now Day are ballpark. But uh, we got to see a lot of guys come up through the years, and I remember Francisco Lindor in particular back in, like, 2011, early 2010s um, with Lake County. And uh, just throughout the years, you know, more recently with, you know, in the 2017 draft, I remember watching Royce Lewis – Mackenzie Gore, Brendan McKay, and then Hunter Green spent some time with Dayton too um, before he got hurt initially. Um, but yeah, I've got to see a lot of good prospects come up through the years. I remember Gavin Lux uh, with Great Lakes and all that stuff. So getting to see them pay off in the major leagues now is pretty cool. And so um, that kind of instilled my drive to cover professional baseball. And so I spent one day out with Tom Nichols and Josh Hess, the radio broadcasters for the Dayton Dragons. And they got to show me the ropes of what it's like to cover a professional baseball team. And you know, it's kind of helped kickstart uh, my aspirations to get here now.
0: Yeah, if you're a fan, mean obviously you have a good background in minor league baseball, you know a lot about the prospects, especially the Midwest League or the league that used to call the Midwest League, they're calling it <laughs> the high A central now. So whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's really nobody better to shadow than Tom Nichols and uh, Dayton. If that's the guy, if you want to look at minor league baseball and look how professionals conduct themselves, uh, there is nobody better than Tom Nichols. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you got that experience.
1: Oh yeah, it was fun. I remember specifically it was a TV and radio day, so I got to see him prepare to go in front of the camera and then behind the mic all in one night. And so that was kind of cool. And then he took me into the writer's room and I got to see the rest of the media outlets that cover the Dayton Dragons and uh, in particular the Cincinnati Reds minor league system. And so really got a good firsthand look. And, you know, as you mentioned, Tom Nichols has been in the, the industry for a while. So his, uh, his knowledge was really great to kind of pick through for uh, during pregame. Um, and then just to see him actually work firsthand and, you know, instead of listening on the radio or wondering if he's up there in the booth as a fan uh, was really cool. And so hopefully I can follow his uh, tracks and your tracks and all that kind of stuff as my career kind of gets it going here.
0: Yeah, and you've been around Ohio State a lot. Uh, we might have to have you back on before the draft to talk about Seth Lonzoi because I think this year he's going to get drafted for sure. He's a senior, right?
1: Yeah, he's a redshirt junior. I believe he has either one or two more years of eligibility. Uh, not the best season for him this year. He made 13 All-Big t- all Ten, though, and his last start there at home on Friday night kind of was a, a victim of some bad weather. It was very cold and windy uh, out in Columbus, and so um, Northwestern kind of tagged him there for a season-high walk count. But, yeah, his left-handed stuff, the command has always been a question for Seth, but uh, he's got the Major League Ready stuff, and so he's somebody who could definitely hear his name called uh, later this summer.
0: Yeah, we will have a draft pod. I think next week uh, we might do... Farm Report, and then maybe we'll have a second half of it be the draft pod. So if you're in the MLB draft, uh, we might be doing that next week. Let's get to the minor leagues this past week. So first up, we'll talk about uh, – we'll just give you a rundown. So finally, today Memorial Day, we heard about George Valera. He's been out for the better uh, better part of two weeks with an oblique issue. He's finally put on the uh, injured list. Uh, I don't even know if he's with the captains. I'll have to ask their next homestand. I'll have to ask their manager if he's even with the club because he has not played in over two weeks and we know the obliques been bothering him. This is a real bad turn of events for him. He's had a handmade issue in his career. He's had a hamstring issue. He's had a knee issue. So this is another uh, another turn in his injury history that's that's not good for his development. He's 40-man or full five eligible this fall. I still think they'll protect him. But if you can't get on the field, it's awfully tough to make an evaluation. Uh, Matt Turner... And Raymond Burgos, a pair of left-handed uh, starters for Lake County, they're both on the I.L. now with an elbow issue. Uh, Burgos has previously had Tommy John. He's had a biceps tendinitis issue, and he's also had a stress reaction in that elbow. So this is not good news for him. He had a really good first start, but uh, he has struggled since, and maybe that's part of why. So we'll get the scoop on them this coming week as Lake County returns home after a 12-game road trip that seems like it lasted forever. Quinton Holmes is active in Lake County. Finally, there's another guy that needed to get off the injured list. Uh, He's got a short window to prove himself here because he could easily find himself released after the draft when Cleveland gets some new talent in the system. And there's some other injuries we'll get to as well. The last one I have today is Jake Neednick from Akron. Uh, He's on the IL forearm injury. Um, And let's kind of run down the issue. Jacob, I know there hasn't been as many Weather issues in Columbus. I know the weather hasn't been pretty, but you guys haven't lost many games to injury, but or to to the rain. But Akron had to play two doubleheaders in Binghamton this past week. Um, they had one scheduled doubleheader that got rained out. They had to reschedule the doubleheader for another day. In um, one of those doubleheaders, the bullpen gave up the lead in both games. Nick Mikolajak pitched the eighth inning. He gave up the run that ended up losing the game to Binghamton. The run was obviously not his because of the runner on second rule. And then the second game went 11 innings when it was only supposed to go seven. Skylar Arias and Alec wisely of the runs there. Um, so that's not good. That's a pair of losses for them. Uh, on the good side of things, those double headers, Francisco Perez did, sh- did throw four scoreless innings out of the bullpen with eight strikeouts. Eli Lingos had a good start and Eric mock made his far start of the year. Um, for Akron, one of those doubleheaders, he went three and two-thirds, had an uh, earn run allowed in seven strikeouts. Really good. On the bad side of things, let's get to Columbus. Um, boy, what just happened, Jacob? They lost six in a row to Nashville.
1: Absolutely. It wasn't it wasn't a pretty week at all for uh, the Clippers, just to put it simply, you know, just checking around these box scores and then watching uh, the couple of games that I went to this past week. Nashville scored early and often, you know, they scored in, you know, the first three innings in all six games. And whenever you do that, it's not a good sign for your starting pitcher, or your offense, because you're working from a deficit early. And so that's what Nashville did. And um, they, they had at least seven hits in all their ball games. Uh, they forced um, Columbus to make some moves as far as going to the bullpen early and often. And then, of course, Wade LeBlanc and Zach Godley, two ageless wonders right there for the Nashville Sounds. Two, uh, two pitchers who weren't on Milwaukee's 40, man. They, uh, they pitched well on Tuesday and Thursday, uh, just overmatched the younger Clippers lineup with their, I'm assuming their Major League wisdom that they've brought down from facing those uh, highest-level uh, hitters. And, you know, just really kept Columbus off balance. Um, their offense really couldn't get anything going. Their game Wednesday... Um, where they dropped it, you know, just by one run. They scored runs in the seventh and eighth, made things close, um, just uh, ultimately fell in a one-run game. Nothing you can do there. But, uh, yeah, the pitching really wasn't uh, helping Columbus all last week. Um, it's getting down in those early deficits, and the offense just couldn't catch up to Nashville's um, sound offense, if you don't
0: mind the punt. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it was not pretty. We, we know the pitching has been an issue because, obviously um, – they've been ravaged by pitch, pitching issues because Cleveland's been ravaged by pitching issues. So uh, when that happens, obviously they lose a lot of pitching and a couple of games they had offense, the pitching wasn't there and then got shut out one night and then they scored three runs of back-to-back games. Just a, I never thought in the six game format that you would see a sweep. Uh, but lo and <laughs> behold, this week actually, or no, I'm sorry. That's uh, the, yeah. To this week alone, Columbus and Lake County both lost six games to the team they were facing. That's a, that's a lot of games to lose in a row in general, but it's a lot of games in a row to lose to one team. And you feel like it's really hard to win six in a row period. It's hard to win six in a row against the same team. But I guess when you have as many bullpen games as Columbus has had, like you said, Nashville scored first in a lot of games and, um, you're just trying to cobble together innings. It makes it really hard to come from behind. So did it, their body language, did it look like at all that when they got behind that it it just felt like it was hard to come back or did you see guys still playing hard? Did you, did you see any negative body language on those days where, where, injuries were causing them to put a team on the field that was less than competitive?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's a good question, Uh, especially when you get down early. There's a tendency to maybe get down on yourself. But, you know, for Columbus, I don't think that was too much of an issue. These guys understand they're still developing as players. The season's still less than a month in. And so, but as you mentioned, if you drop six games in a row, it's a big-time momentum killer. And Nashville actually came into the week having swept their previous opponents. So they had all the momentum going for them, and they just continued it all throughout the week. But for Columbus in particular, you could see guys like Nolan Jones hustling out Uh, ground balls or fly balls that he hit. Andre Semenes, in particular, I was really impressed with because he continued to just go 110% when he was at shortstop, fielding the ground balls, ranging to his left or right. Um, And so those guys there really stood out to me. And so I think Columbus's pitchers really just got themselves out of whack. And there you could see the carousel of arms. Um, So maybe some discouragement on their part. But really, for Columbus, it was all about just trying to play all nine innings and just understand that there's going to be a game tomorrow new opportunity tomorrow and that they could seize it uh, tomorrow ultimately.
0: They had some injuries as well. So you mentioned Ernie Clement. Uh, He's back. He was back, but he came, he was out for what, a week with a leg injury. That's all we really know is a leg injury, correct? Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's correct. On May 13th, he hit a triple that I was there for, and he really clubbed it into the gap, and you could see him round first base, and he had intent for extra bases, and when he knew he was going to get three, he kind of just lunged with his left leg or his right leg, one of the two, and just didn't look like a normal step when you round second base, and so that big-time lunge just probably, I don't know, the pure speculation, could be pulled hamstring or something else in one of his legs, and just he was kind of coming up a little bit hobbling once he got to third base, and then he scored where he came home ultimately to finish the inning, and it just he just didn't look right. And so he was out for those two weeks and ultimately returned on Thursday. Um, looked really sound. He came out. He was the first clipper out of the dugout. Did some stretching with the team trainer and looked like he was good to go. And it sure proved the first five innings on Thursday. He banged two hits, one off one um, off the wall and one down the line. And so it looked like Ernie Clement was back to being Ernie Clement. But uh, ultimately he came out for Tyler Crager there at second base uh, after the fifth inning and really no reason... Uh, that we know, uh, that I know, um, for what? Which
0: game was that? That was Thursday, May 27th. Hmm, okay. He was He was Cleveland's 27th man yesterday for the doubleheader. He didn't get in the game, so hmm. I guess... He had, and he didn't play the 28th or the 29th, correct?
1: Yeah, correct. You know, uh, he just stayed... He ended up coming in on Friday, and he had three ABs, and he drove in a run, and so he also... Um, recorded a walk, and so it looked like he just came back uh, on that Friday. Didn't play Saturday, though, and as you mentioned, he was in Cleveland for Sunday, and so it looked like they were just pulling him, maybe got a little tired or something like that, needed some stretching, but sure was uh, concerning there on Thursday for his first game back as to him getting pulled early.
0: Yeah, it looks like he's okay. They wouldn't have called him up, but they didn't think he could play, so that's a a good sign. Uh, Did you happen to see, I don't know how many games he's played in the off-field, I have to look up for sure. I know he got like one game in left field for sure, uh, have you been around for any of his outfield stints?
1: I haven't been around for any of his outfield stints. He's uh, really been holding things down to third base when he's in the lineup. Um, but he's a guy who pro- provides versatility. Uh, a lot of guys at Columbus have that. I know manager Andy Tracy likes moving guys around each day. You know, you see that with Jimenez moving from second to short. Um, the outfielders rotating, Nolan Jones spending some time in right field, which is kind of um, an interesting point for me, just because you hear him coming up as an infielder, and now, uh, you know, stretching out to the outfield is something that to uh, the Indians at the big league level, when he reaches that, he could provide some uh, some opportunity there.
0: Um, just, you know, it's kind of like a trend for Columbus, in a sense. Yeah, you could sit up and down the system, really. Everybody from Columbus down to Lynchburg has been moving around. That's Brian Rocchio, Gabriel Arias, Andre Semenes has played second base uh, in Columbus. Uh, Tyler Freeman's played third, second, and short. I mean, everybody's playing everywhere. It's kind of the new direction of Cleveland, just trying to get everybody everybody spots everywhere and uh, however they can get to the big leagues and help the team. Have you seen Nolan Jones get tested in right field? Has he had any fly balls come his way that you've seen? Oh yeah,
1: Jones has definitely been tested. When when right-handed hitters go the other way and those balls tail down the line, I remember in particular, there was one, well it was kind of like a judgment call for that second base umpire. The ball falls um, near the foul line and Jones, who comes in sliding you know, to make an effort play, he comes up, he thinks the ball is foul and ultimately the uh, second base umpire ruled fair um, last week. And so he took a few extra seconds for him to gather the ball and get the throw in because he thought it was ultimately a foul ball. But you know, Jones, he, he's ranged to his left, he's ranged to his right, but he's ultimately played some some cleaner defense in right field. He's made the occasional error, and, you know, he does the same thing at third base. He's, he's pretty sound. He'll come up with the occasional error at third base, but it's called the hot corner for a reason. And so his defense is definitely something that's um, continuing to develop, um, as well as his bat, especially catching up uh, to AAA-level pitching for the first time.
0: Yeah, while well, we're on that subject, let's go over to his bat. A seventeen percent walk rate is pretty good, about in line with where his career is. We know he draws a lot of walks. However, a forty-two percent strike rate, uh, strikeout rate, and he's only hitting as of right now a buck eighty-nine, but a three forty-one OBP. So he's finding a way to get on base. The um, only thing I could say is that his, sh- his swinging strike rate is thirteen point nine, which is about career for him. He's around ten or eleven percent swinging strike rate. Do you feel like a lot of his strikeouts are just coming from him taking called third strikes, like he's got a passive approach at the plate sometimes?
1: I think for Nolan Jones, I think passive might be not the correct word to use for his approach at the plate. I feel like early on, pitchers are really attacking him early in the count, and so falling behind early, getting in that two-strike approach there for Nolan probably was something he maybe didn't anticipate early on in the season, but as we saw this past week, I have him tabbed as my Player of the Week in the Columbus Notebook. You know, he drew five walks. He connected on four hits. He's got this massive on-base streak of over two weeks going for him. And so he's becoming more patient, in my opinion. He's starting to see counts develop and get deeper. And I think that's a good sign for a young developing player like that because if he can start figuring out pitchers and kind of anticipating what their next pitch is and take advantage of getting ahead in the count, um, that's something that Nolan Jones has been doing of late. Um, that's something that's a good sign for him and his, his young development. I know he's only 23 years old, but it's a good sign
0: for him especially bouncing back from the rough start he had. Yeah, it was a really rough start. I was kind of surprised by his rough start, to be honest, but mm-hmm. it does sound like better things are ahead for him, which I'm not surprised by. Um, any any update on Logan Allen? The only thing I had heard recently is that um, he was not in line to start in a doubleheader or a, a, a open rotation spot in Cleveland because he was nursing an injury, and we haven't seen him since. Any Any thoughts or any updates there?
1: Yeah, I don't have any updates on Logan Allen. He didn't pitch last week, and so he's had some really discouraging outings here early on in the season, hasn't made it out um, if his outing's too deep. Um, but that left-hander, he's, he's had potential. I've liked him since he came over um, in the deal with San Diego, I believe. And so he's somebody who, if he is nursing an injury, you know, just take his time with it. I know Columbus is kind of um, needing a little bit of starting pitching especially, but with a guy like Scott Moss, another left-hander who's kind of Um, maybe dealing with some physical issues himself. He's come back, um, and he pitched on Sunday. Um, And so with Columbus, a guy like Logan Allen, um, for him it's just kind of getting back to 100% strength. And maybe it's a little bit of a mental thing too because getting rocked like that early for him, um, it's it's not something you want to see in your outings. And so for him, maybe kind of reestablishing his confidence is almost as important as kind
0: of trusting his stuff. Yeah, and Scott Moss came back. Uh, Had two innings on Saturday. Didn't have the greatest outing, um, but I think it's just working to build him back. He left one of his starts with an arm injury. We don't have any, any further news on what his issue was, do we?
1: Yeah, I haven't heard anything new on Moss either. You know, he's another one of those left-handed arms. I actually got to see him in Dayton when he was drafted um, by the Cincinnati organization, and he's one of those bigger lefties, you know, kind of a a bigger frame for a left-handed pitcher. I've liked his stuff, and when he was traded over in that Bauer trade, I believe that's what it was. And so, uh, seeing a pitcher like him, you know, the Reds trust their pitchers and developing their younger guys, and so you know, flipping him to Cleveland was definitely something that I thought was intriguing for the Indians because Cleveland also is an organization that thrives developing starting pitching and pitching in general. And so for Scott Moss, you know, two hits, two runs in an inning and a third. Yeah. Um, on Sunday, three punch outs, one walk, not too bad of a line. Um, but for him, it's kind of building up
0: his, um, the workload for him to return to a normal outing in the rotation. And he was hurt out of coming out of spring training as well. He was supposed to be pitching at the alternate site in April and he was not hundred percent. So he has a late buildup. Other pitching issues in Columbus that have popped up uh, now, Anthony goes and DJ Johnson are both gone for, I don't know how long it's going to be, but they're both pitching in the Olympic qualifiers right now. So in their place, they've uh, they've, you know, the injuries haven't helped. Then you're losing two of your relievers to another team basically uh, so Kevin Hurge and Heath Philmeyer are coming aboard out of the independent leagues to fill some innings. Um, have you seen much of ghost Johnson? any thoughts on them? Yeah, Ghosts
1: and Johnson in particular. they're two of my they're two of my favorites to come out of the bullpen for Columbus because it just seems that they have extra zip on the ball and that they really trust their stuff. And I got to see Ghosts um, play against Louisville right before the start of the regular season for minor leagues in early May. And I liked it because he was really touching those mid to upper 90s on his fastball. And, you know, when you can trust your stuff like that, it'll play. Um, And for DJ Johnson, he's just one of those bigger guys who just looks like he commands the mound when he takes it. And so I know he kind of got a little touched up uh, this past week. Um, He also threw a scoreless inning um, on the 27th. Um, But he's also another guy that I've liked out of the bullpen. And to see both of those guys get opportunities to kind of pitch in those Olympic qualifiers, it's it's, it's a good thing to see um, ultimately for them.
0: And two questions on them. So Johnson, if I remember right, is now hitting almost the upper 90s on some occasion. And then uh, anything on goes is control issues because he's had issues with blocks in the past. I think that's what's keeping him from the major league bullpen at this point. Yeah, it's a good
1: question. He has 12 walks on the year to, compared to nine strikeouts, and so there, there's some command issues. Um, he's only had six, uh, six and a third innings pitched this year, and so that walk rate is definitely going to have to lower in order for him to find opportunity at a higher level. Um, but Ghost, like I mentioned, he's, his stuff is there. He's got zip on that fastball, and I believe he's a converted outfielder, and so he must have always had that zip on it. Um, but like you said, those command issues and lowering that walk rate, you know, opponents are hitting 261 off of him too, and so um, just finding ways to miss bats for Anthony ghost is going to be the big um, sort of flag for him and his development as he continues to rise um, as that converted pitcher.
0: Now. Yeah. Hopefully when he comes back, we'll see a little bit more of him. Uh, Eli Morgan made his debut in the MLB this week. and uh, Friday night did not go great. It was a short outing for him and a short game because of the rain. I don't even know if that game should been played, honestly. Um, <laughs> You caught Morgan early. He, er, Morgan was coming back from a forearm issue um, out of spring training, so he, like uh, Scott Moss, joined Columbus's rotation, kind of still looking to get built back up and um, nursing that injury. Mm-hmm. He did get built back up and through, I think, in the sixth inning, one of his starts. But what did you see from him early on in Columbus? I don't even want to evaluate his MLB start because I, just, I feel like that was probably an unfair uh, condition for him.
1: I could agree with that for sure. And as I mentioned earlier, Seth Alonso, I also pitched on Friday. So not a good night for pitchers on Friday at all. Um, But for Eli Morgan, I got to see him pitch on May 15th against Omaha. And and that day he went four and a third and allowed six hits and three runs. Walked two and struck out four. And so I think I mentioned on Twitter for him, for a guy like him, a 25-year-old mixing in off-speed with regularity, um, was something that kind of got my attention. But what he did was he did it with a little bit of command. Um, And despite the hits and despite the walks, He's a guy who could also miss bats, as evident by his uh, four strikeouts in that outing, and then he followed that up with six more and six scoreless innings against or at Toledo the next week. And so Eli Morgan's a guy with some intrigue for me personally because his he can mix that fastball in there if he relies on those off-speed breaking pitches. Um, and so when he does get those opportunities to pitch with a little bit of better better elements there for Cleveland, he should be able to display that a little bit better better and not have to battle the weather in addition to the
0: opposing team. Yeah, he's going to get another start on Wednesday for Cleveland in um, the second turn through. I hope the weather is better for him. He still has that really good changeup. Um, mm-hmm. you know, only throws 88 to 91. I thought you had said he was kind of in the in the, the high 80s mostly in the one mm-hmm. start you saw him. So I was a little bit concerned because he only throws 88 to 90, 91. But mm-hmm. uh, for, for him to be like 86, 89, 90 is, is a. Even more of a drop-off for him, and that's kind of what he was Friday. But again, with the weather, kind of hard to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, how about Kirk McCarty? What can you say about him? He's probably been the only guy in Columbus who's been the reliable starter each time through.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. He's another one of those guys I got to take an additional look at um, just against Louisville. But he's put together some really long starts. He's gone five innings at least in all uh, five of his starts with Columbus. He got a little touched up. On the 28th there about three days ago for eight hits and eight runs seven of them earned but he's somebody who that Andy Tracy has been able to trust because he has been able to pitch deep into games um, and kind of limit those walks he's not walked more than two in any of his last four um, starts and he struck out at least four in his last three and so he's a guy who can miss vats and I believe I've told um, some of the people I've talked with that Kirk McCarty could be another one of those names that you see brought up to Cleveland because his stuff and his command is there. Um, I'm not sure what exactly more he could be expected of maybe to kind of get more into that season rhythm. Um, but he's a good left handed arm that I liked. Um, and so he could be somebody that Cleveland sees coming down the pipeline uh, to help out should they need any more um, pitching help uh, in the future.
0: Yeah, it would take a 40 man move to get uh, Kirk Picardy on the roster. And if it comes to that it probably means things are not going well for the Indians pitching wise. Uh, But, you know, like you said, Logan Allen's been out. Scott Moss is not exactly 100%. Um, I don't know what they'll do with him, but you're right. He's pitched well at least, and uh, he's a pitchability lefty who doesn't miss a ton of bats, but he's always in the strike zone, has some deception. Uh, Fun fact, I don't know if you knew about this, and maybe some listeners know about this, but Mm -hmm. uh, Kirk McCarty in high school, his offensive coordinator or quarterback coach, I can't remember what, what position he filled, um, but his, he worked with, uh, Brett Favre in high school as a quarterback. Oh, wow. See,
1: that's yeah. good stuff right there. Another gunslinger and, you know, being a pitcher that's got to help, it's got to help.
0: Yeah. I mean, different mechanics, but everybody throws, yeah. you know, some guys do throw a football because they, uh, as, as kind of a, a mechanics thing, because it yeah. helps them, uh, I can't remember what, what part of the mechanics helps them with, but just the way they follow through and, mm-hmm. and staying on the ball on top of the ball. Um, I know some guys do resort to throwing the football just for uh, some mechanical adjustments and staying insured true mm-hmm. to their stuff. So uh, who knows what Brett Favre taught him, but I'm sure that was a lot of fun <laughs> for him as a, a high school athlete and Cleveland loves their high school athletes. And as far as comp- comp- you know, being competitive is concerned, who better to, to be under than Brett Favre as well?
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, a guy like Brett Favre, learn a lot from you can ask Aaron Rodgers you know we, you know mentioning Ohio State Justin Fields was a two-sport athlete in high school he played baseball he was a shortstop for his high school team and he even mentioned back in November that baseball helped him out a lot so being a quarterback being a pitcher or just straight up throwing a ball whether it's a baseball or football it, those mechanics as you touched on Justin they all kind of fall in a similar path um you know
0: yeah and being being a two-sport athlete I think is huge in any any sport really I think uh Whatever sport you're you're pro in, or, or even playing amateur, I think playing other sports helps that out a lot because you work out muscles and do other things that you might not do normally to stay to stay uh, stretched out. On and, and like you said, football and, ba- and baseball kind of go. And that would have been interesting mm-hmm. to see what what Justin Fields did as a a baseball player because I thought Kyler Murray had a real future in baseball, but he made the right choice, and I'm sure uh, Justin Fields did. <laughs> As well. I hope I hope so, anyway. Chicago's had uh, a bad string of quarterbacks uh, in, for a oh, long yeah. time. Um, oh, yeah. Have you seen much of Robert Broom down in Columbus? Because he's a guy who is 40-man eligible this fall and uh, hasn't quite broken out the way Nick Sandlin has. He's had good numbers in the past, uh, but he's another side armor who has had good numbers before. Uh, have you seen anything from him? I know his numbers have not looked great so far this year.
1: Yeah, you know, I was just about to say that if you looked at any of his numbers, they might not jump off the page, and especially in his last outing there, um, on the 28th, he came in and he was touched up a little bit for three consecutive hits, including a three-run homer, um, before he ended up getting out of that inning. But then he followed it up with a it's a perfect seventh inning uh, there on Friday. And so with Robert Broom, you know, he's a 24-year-old, and as he mentioned, as you mentioned, side armor who can provide some intrigue because it's just a different view when you're a hitter. Um, down there at the plate, and you see a different, you know, the the delivery and the exit when that pitch comes out. But for Broom in particular, he's had some good moments. Um, on the 18th there, he had that scoreless inning um, with only one hit allowed and two strikeouts. And then just just before in the series starter uh, with Nashville, he went in an inning and a third with three Ks and no walks. And so, you know, when he's on, he's on. Um, you know, and he provides that intrigue um, with that delivery. And so he's a guy to kind of keep an eye on. I know that Columbus bullpen is – kind of being, you know, stapled by Blake Parker in a sense, and um, even more so with Justin Garza and guys like Kyle Nelson as well. And so with Robert Broom, he offers intrigue, and, you know, if he's given more opportunities to pitch a little bit more with some regularity, like guys like Blake Parker and Garza and et cetera, he could be another one of those guys where his numbers balance out a little bit.
0: Yeah, I'm curious to see more of him, and I'm curious to see more of Justin Garza, as you said. Justin Garza was a guy I liked in the past, and He's had issues staying healthy and, and holding his stuff as a starter. Uh, I know he's been asked to pitch you know, multi-innings as, as a reliever just because of the depth they've lost down there. Anything you see interesting out of Justin Garza? Yeah, Garza is
1: a guy I like because he's he can give you multiple innings, as you touched on, and his two outings against Nashville this past week were both for two innings, and he only allowed one hit and one run a- across those four innings total. And so his strikeouts were four across that, and he walked two. And Garza is another one of those guys, and being you know a 27 year old, his progression's probably more advanced than say a guy like Robert Broomer or, um, or the field or whatever. And so for him in particular, his delivery kind of intrigues me a little bit. And he's able to miss those bats. And so when your, your outings are putting up zeros, the confidence factor also contributes in there a little bit. And so with Garza, he's another one of those intriguing Columbus bullpen arms for me.
0: And how about let's wrap up the Columbus section here with a couple other guys. Uh, Bradley Zimmer's up in Cleveland now. He also had a, tr- a tough start to the year offensively, like a lot of guys. Um, what, what did you see out of him before he got promoted to Cleveland to fill some injury spots up there? Um, what do you think it was that kind of brought him around offensively? I
1: think it was, you know, kind of just trusting his stuff. I know that I've said that a lot, but, you know, he's somebody who's seen major league pitching. He's been around AAA a while. You know, sometimes you just get into those slumps. And so for Bradley Zimmer, he was able to put together a two-hit performance on Wednesday against Nashville and then ultimately came up to Cleveland um, the next day. And so for Bradley, I think it was just finding a little bit of a routine for him just as I mentioned earlier, the minor league season is only a couple weeks old. And so finding his swing a little bit for Bradley Zimmer, trusting himself. I'm sure that promotion um, coming, even though his numbers were down in AAA, um, had to boost his morale a little bit. Um, he, he's put together some multi-hit performances this season. Um, I think just for him, just finding a, a little bit of a rhythm, his left-handed swing. He's played a lot of outfield um, for Columbus as they've rotated guys. Um, but his opportunity has got to become, and he's 28 years old now, and Cleveland's outfield situation has always looked a little bit of a question mark in a sense. So for Bradley Zimmer, I think it's just establishing that that rhythm, that routine, that he's going to need to just progress as each game, each day kind of progresses.
0: And how about Bobby Bradley? He's, he's gotten a little better recently, but he's still kind of struggling, and there was some thought that he was going to be called up the other day, but he was pulled from the lineup and then – Mm-hmm. It sounds like he had just tweaked something in, in batting practice. Um mm-hmm. what I don't I don't know what more Bobby Bradley can do in Columbus that he already hasn't done. I just know he's not off to a great start. Um is there anything you can really pinpoint that might be leading to his issues? I mean I know it's obviously strikeouts, but you know, maybe how pitchers are attacking him.
1: Yeah, I think for Bobby Bradley, I remember on I think it was Thursday when he was a late scratch to the lineup and the speculation on Twitter was, Oh, is he coming up to Cleveland? But no less was it just a Connor Maribel substitution, maybe a day off. But I think for Bobby Bradley, he's swinging a bit, uh, maybe too hard a little bit. As you mentioned, his strikeout numbers are up and the batting average is low, but he's able to produce power. He's got seven homers this year, which account for half of his hit total. Um, And it's a weird trend in baseball, I think I'm seeing these, these low averages, high home run totals. So um, however, that's developing out for Bobby Bradley. Um, He's kind of just taking it in stride. He had a he had a one-hit night, I believe, two days ago with Columbus when he got back into the lineup. Um, he's another one of those who's kind of slumping there offensively. Um, I believe he's struck out in every game uh, in the last six that he's appeared in. And so just kind of lowering those, maybe not swinging as hard. Um, I know that's kind of troublesome for a guy with a lot of power. You know, you want to swing hard and find the gaps. Um, and with Bobby Bradley, as you mentioned, he's, he's spent some time in AAA now. These pitchers have seen maybe him played a little bit, kind of adjusted to his scouting reports. Um, and I just think for him, maybe he's just kind of giving 110% when he doesn't have to on each and every swing, which ultimately could uh, could lead to him tweaking something in batting practice um, that he may have done a few days ago.
0: And, again, we talked about uh, Bradley Zimmer, who's not really a prospect at this point, but um, anything on Oscar Mercado, because obviously he is still struggling as well. What have you seen that's, that's been an issue for him? Yeah, it's a good question.
1: Oscar Mercado's numbers is another another discouraging factor for the guys down in Columbus, you know, no homers yet. He's got five doubles though of his fifteen hits, and so he's able to find the gap a little bit. His strikeout numbers are high, but he's drawn nine walks. Um I think he's just another one of those guys who needs to find his rhythm. He's played some good outfield. He's I think I believe he's hit at the top of the Clippers lineup and so he's kinda of settling in there a little bit. Um I've liked his stuff even with uh, when he was with St. Louis, you know, he's he's swiped three bases, hasn't been caught yet. Uh, the second most among Clippers you know second to Bradley Zimmer who had four and so I think Mercado is another one of those guys where he finds a rhythm you know he can get on base and he scored runs he's Clippers second leading run scorer with 12 on the year which is really good for a guy who's hitting only 170 and so for him it's just you know finding the gaps a little bit I know hitters can get into a rut of hitting the ball and you know it just finds the finds the fielders a little bit so for Mercado I've, I've liked his speed I've liked the fact that he's able to Kind of just, you know, take the game one at a time, one at bat at a time, one a day at a time. Because when he does strike out, he doesn't, you know, plead his case to the umpire or slam his bat down. And so for him, I think another, another one of those guys, we're finding that routine, the rhythm, and trusting the process a little bit um, is for Oscar Mercado.
0: Yeah, confidence has been an issue for him in the past. Hopefully he can regain some momentum. I don't know what it takes for mm-hmm. a baseball player to regain confidence, but... Um, <laughs> It's a tough game. It's, it's not an easy game, and if you don't have confidence, it doesn't get any easier. I, I just don't know how you regain that outside of just getting hits, but you know, sometimes you get unlucky. Baseball's not a fair sport sometimes, so you got to hope he sticks with it. Um, what about yeah, yeah. Daniel Johnson? He He's another one who, who started off kind of slow and has, has picked it up lately. Do you feel like he is worthy of being called up sometime here soon?
1: Uh, He could definitely call up. I know Cleveland's trusted his stuff a little bit some before, but you know, he's one of my guys on the who's not hot list uh, for the Columbus Notebook this past week. You know, three hits and 25 uh, at-bats, 15 of those uh, ended in a strikeout, only drew two walks. And so, you know, he may not be riding the best momentum after this past week, um, but I know before that he had a six-game hitting streak. And so he's able to, you know, figure out these opposing pitchers, you know, find the gaps a little bit and play that outfield. And I mentioned with Mercado in particular, he's not a guy who, when he does strike out, you know, kind of speak with the umpire about maybe why a pitch was a strike or maybe shouldn't have been a strike. So I think, um, Columbus's outfield in regards to both Johnson and Mercado, those guys are both, you know, they've shown that they can contribute at the major league level a little bit if need be. Um, you know, for a guy like Daniel Johnson, it's, it's just about getting his numbers to kind of adjust to the law of averages. You know, 3 for 25 with 15 K is, is definitely not something any hitter would want, um, you know, as their line for a six-game
0: series. Anybody I've missed that you you think is worth bringing up in Columbus that you've liked so far? Any, any key points about this team that we haven't gone over already?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I touched on Blake Parker. He was one of those guys that I mentioned in the who's hot list because he had two and a third scoreless innings and was one of the few Clippers relievers who didn't get tagged for any runs. And I believe they allowed like 30 to Nashville this past week. And so he's another one of those older veteran guys. You know, we mentioned Godley and Wade LeBlanc as just somebody who has been there before and can miss bats a little bit. Um, He's another one of those guys I like late in the Clippers bullpen. Um, as far as offensive-wise, Gavin Collins has really surprised me a little bit. He's he's gotten a fair share of the starts, you know, splitting it with Ryan LaVarnway, who's in his own right. You know, he's the active leader um, with hits on that Clippers um, offense right now with 17 of them. And so Gavin Collins has surprised me with his defense behind the plate a little bit. His hitting is slowly coming around. He's got two doubles. Um, he's drawn four walks this year. Um, but there are some guys who... You know, should bounce back, you know, after a rough week, like Gabriel Arias, you know, who's highly regarded. Um, He's got 16 hits of his own and scored 11 runs. Um, Yeah, and I can't say enough about Andres Jimenez. You know, he played really good, really good defense. And I remember the first game I saw him play on Tuesday in Columbus, dude made two rangy plays that where he dove to his left and then dove to his right and made the Derek Jeter throw that everybody kind of envies. And so, um, really like his glove, his bat. You know, it's come around a little bit. I remember his first at-bat in Huntington Park was off the wall in right field, and I thought it was going to go for extra bases, but just stayed as a long single. So just some guys in some slumps right now, it looks like, for Columbus's offense. And, you know, finding their pitching after Cleveland has kind of taken some of their arms um, as they head into Indianapolis, who's also in a little bit of a, of a slump of their own. I believe they've lost a
0: good handful of games on their own as well. They were swept uh, at Omaha last week. Yeah, you'll be out of pocket for a little bit as Columbus, t- uh, Tuesday the 1st, starts a 12-game road trip, uh, six with Indianapolis and six at Iowa. They don't come back home until uh, June 15th, so you've got mm-hmm. some time off ahead of you. I know you're <laughs> you're finishing up some some college coverage at Ohio State, so hopefully mm-hmm. some time for you to, to enjoy some downtime before uh, they get back home for a 12-game homestand. Toledo comes in, and then St. Paul comes in, a team that they're going to be facing for the first time. Uh, St. Paul has joined the affiliated ranks. I was going to call them the International League, but once again, it's not the International League. It's <laughs> the AAA East, and I forget what mm-hmm. division they're in, AAA East Central. I yeah, I believe the... <laughs> that's, that's what it is after all this shuffling. It's gone with uh,
1: minor league baseball. Still adjusting to all that myself, too.
0: Yeah, there, there are still nights where I'm like, oh, yeah, like I saw Sugar Land tweeting about they had Framber Valdez and Jaco de um on rehab since, and I'm like, Sugarland Speeders have been a an indie ball team for like ever, and St. Paul, and I'm like, Delmarva used to be in the South Atlantic League there in the in the, the former Carolina League. Now St. Paul is in this league. It's just and and not only that, but Columbus has played. Um, they've already played who in the West? They, well, they're playing Nashville. They never played Nashville before. They played most they play was from the West. And I'm like, why are they playing this team? Like, oh, Omaha, they oh, would never yeah. play Omaha because it wouldn't <laughs> be until they played for the governor's cup. And I'm just like, this is so bizarre to see them mm-hmm. play some of these teams. And I, I really, okay. So officially Columbus is in the AAA East Midwest division. So <laughs> I'm glad I'm not writing that once a night. I'll leave that to you.
1: It's so weird with all the directions, man. That's what's weird to keep up with. I know with all the minor league reshuffling, the Monday off days though, with these six game series, the Monday off days make sense. I will say that myself.
0: Yeah, I I do love the Monday off days. I will say it's a nice chance for me to reset personally mm-hmm. um, because I'm trying to watch. If I'm not at a captain's game, which they just came off a 12 game road trip themselves, um, mm-hmm. if I'm not there, I have my I have two laptops pulled up at night watching. Um, all four games, in, in addition to watching the Indians, I'm. It's not good for there getting you know outside it. in the summer, but I'm trying to keep up with everything I yeah. can uh, while I can. Hey, baseball is back this summer. That's that's the one good thing. I don't think
1: you can be at fault for any of that.
0: Yeah, I, I will say I definitely miss minor league baseball because I'm I'm enjoying <laughs> getting to watch every bit I can. The system's been oh, exciting yeah. to watch. I know I know Columbus has been a bit of a mess with with roster, was affecting the Indians, but it's been a. A lot of fun to watch some of these prospects. Let's, Mm -hmm. let's roll through and, uh, Jago, if you have any thoughts on these guys, feel free to, to to chime in, but I'm going to try to roll through these because I know, uh, it's a tight window for us this week. Lake County, as I mentioned, uh, six in a row lost to West Michigan. So we had a pair of six game series, uh, complete losses, sweeps by the hands of other organizations. That was West Michigan, the Tigers organization, uh, Spencer Torkelson, who was the first overall pick in the 2020 draft, uh, he had a couple homers in one of those games. Uh, Lake County lost the first four games of that series by a combined seven runs. They were staying tough. And then the last two games, they lost by a combined 18 runs. So the bottom just kind of dropped out on them. That's got to be a tough way to end the weekend. And I know weather in Michigan was was one place that wasn't an issue. I feel like... The weather wasn't good in Columbus, even though those games got in. Uh, Lynchburg lost a few games to the weather. Akron lost a bunch of games to the weather. Cleveland did one way or another, I guess. Um, Lake County didn't have any issues up in Michigan. They did lose, like I said, Matt Turner and Ray Burgos to elbow injuries. That's 2-6 the rotation, so expect to see some moves coming their way. Um, pitching overall was, was okay. Mason Hickman had a really hard, a rough start this week. I expect him to bounce back, but... And it's a good lineup up in West Michigan. Jose Tina has an OPS over 800. He's been really consistent for the captains out of the top of the order. He's hit first or third. Most nights he's only 19 and he's another guy who's an aggressive swinger. He doesn't walk a lot, doesn't strike out a lot, just puts the ball in play a ton, but he's 19. And he is more than holding his own uh, at high A for the first time in his career. And, and as a guy who, skipped low A and, and wasn't part of the alternate training site last year. Uh, Will Brennan, who's a college bat, is uh, walked born. He struck out. He's been extremely reliable. Otherwise, the captains have been just a giant mess, like everybody else at this point. It's, it's so funny. I feel like the first two weeks, I think Cleveland's organization had maybe some of the best records in all of baseball as far as organizational wins, like from Cleveland on down to Lynchburg. And, I don't know, the last two weeks, they've just – it's kind of fallen apart. They've been – like we just saw two two teams lose six in a row to the same team. I, I just feel like the year started off so good for the system, and the last two weeks have been a mess. Am I, am I wrong about that? No, I wouldn't disagree about that at all. I think um,
1: these six-game series where teams can – you know, three or four games is a sweep in a normal series, but then you play two more and – you know, you're seeing the, the starting pitcher again for a second time in some occasions, and so it allows for a little bit of momentum. And, you know, the scattering reports don't change all too much, but you've got to adjust the second times around. But uh, like I mentioned, you know, three or four games is a, is a normal series length. Um, so riding some momentum and picking up another win or two um, makes the standings look very crooked, <laughs> to, say, to say the least.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to, to pay attention to the standings because there is no minor league playoffs this year at any, any level. Uh, mm-hmm. so whoever finishes in first congratulations you <laughs> can hang up some kind of banner I don't I don't know what they're <laughs> gonna call that but um, it's it's first place or bust this year so whoever gets to the top mm-hmm. um, you know what I'm surprised by too this is kind of off topic I kind of figured at some point when you have a six game series you like you said you're seeing the starting pitcher twice sometimes you would think these guys would get sick of each other like sometimes there's there's bad blood mm-hmm. in a three or four game series and I know there's been mm-hmm. A couple of bench-clearing brawls at different levels, but I'm surprised we haven't seen more, uh, yeah, more blood boiling among teams playing six games in a row. You'd think these teams would get sick of each other, but I haven't seen that. In anything I've seen of you,
1: you know, I saw one video on Twitter a few weeks back from the high A, the high A level, where it looked like it was raining out, and you know, the hitter comes around and the catcher gets into one of those brawls. I wish I could remember the teams. Um, I believe it was the Tin Caps and South Bend in one of those bras but like like you mentioned that's a good point to bring up because you know fastball in on Tuesday and you see it again on Saturday and you're like well you're gonna change anything posing pitcher, and so it's a good question that's a good um, prompt posed right there and you know good thing the Cleveland organizations haven't really gotten too caught up into that stuff Um, they're just kind of dealing with some of their own um, you know personal um, performance based uh, issues kind of sort of.
0: Yeah, hopefully that's not the case because they can't afford to lose anybody's suspension at this point because there's been yeah. so many injuries. I tweeted earlier in the week that the injury bug has been so bad for Cleveland. I mean, it's been Logan Allen, Scott Moss, um, Ernie Clement oh, yeah. was injured briefly. Um, George is hurt. Uh, Kenzie Noel's been hurt. Micah Priest just got hurt for Lynchburg. I mean, and now you have Hickman and – not Hickman, I'm sorry, Turner and Burgos. Um, man, it's just been – the injury bug has been crazy. Mm-hmm. Joey Cantillo, uh, Lynchburg, real quickly, uh, didn't fare much better than the rest of the, the affiliates in the system. Uh, they lost four or five to Delmarva. They had a rain out. They, like I said, they mentioned uh, yeah, Kenzie Noel has been out for over a week now with a uh, hand injury. He got hit by a pitch, has not appeared in a game since, which is unfortunate because he has been maybe the best hitter in the system to date. His OPS is over 1,000. ISO over 900 or 300. He has been kicking butt. Um, Mike Caprese, who's been a nice surprise to start the year, a D2 outfielder from California, um, has been one of the most consistent hitters down there. He's out with a hamstring injury. Daniel Espino, I don't know much, how much you've caught of him on Twitter, Jacob, but another strong start for him. Four strikeout, I'm sorry, four innings, seven strikeouts. He is regularly hitting anywhere from 98 to 101 on the radar gun. It's It's been extremely impressive to watch him pitch. And that's the other thing I like about I I like and I dislike about the six-game format is that in a lot of cases, especially in Cleveland, they're going with a six-man rotation. So, like, Daniel Espino pitches every Wednesday. That's fine. Like, I know Wednesday I can turn on MLB TV. I can watch Mm -hmm. Daniel Espino. Um, But it's also kind of tough on nights you're busy and you're like, oh, if I'm doing something Friday night and Tanner Burns is pitching, I'm just never going to see a Tanner Burns pitch. Like, I want to see some of these guys throw, but the, uh, the consistent schedule, almost like college, where guys start, you know, you know your Friday, Saturday, Sunday yeah. stuff they pitch once a week. Um, so it's good at that, I think. That's true. It's
1: a good analogy. You know, I think Tanner Tully was, um, you know, one of those players for Columbus who pitched on Tuesday and then backed up Scott Moss on Sunday um, with his start. Um, but, yeah, like you mentioned, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday rules for college arms kind of fill in, you um, Fulfilling for here. And I'll mention Daniel Espino, you know, being drafted out of the first round a couple of years ago, it's, it's high regards in itself. And hearing that he's touching those upper 90s with um, his pitches and stuff like that, it's a good sign for the Cleveland's organization. I know their trust in pitching development has always been high. And so, to see a young guy like that, 20, 19, 20, 21 years old, like that, show that much promise, you know, you just got to wonder what he's going to do at the next level. And then at the next, and then eventually, you know, we'll see what he's like uh, when he's ready to contribute to the Major League Ball Club.
0: Yeah, I don't think it'll be long. They'll be careful with him, but I think he'll move faster than most prep arms. Um, just because of the way he's thrown the ball, it's been really good. He's logged 17 innings so far, has a 260 ERA, and has 12 strikeouts, almost 13 strikeouts per nine innings. So he's been hmm. been really impressive. By the way, just to kind of circle back, Kirk McCarty, this is not a surprise because, geez, Columbus has needed it, but uh, Kirk McCarty leads the entire organization – an um, in innings pitched at 28.2 innings, and Tanner Tolley is right behind him um, at 22. So they've needed a couple guys up in Columbus who can do that. <laughs> they need it all all over. Logan Allen from Lowe is at 21.2. Zadion Curry at 20. Um, so there are some good young arms that have been logging some innings early on, which has been good to see. Um, Sergio Murillo has has had a tough uh, go of it. He had five runs in his last start. Um, Miguel Vinicio backed him up though with four innings, four strikeouts, three hits, two walks. He ended up getting the win, and that and that decision, that was the only win last week by Lynchburg. And then Jerson Ramirez another fun story to keep an eye on. He has not allowed a run this year. Um, he had a save in that game, and not only was it a, a you know a save for him, just he's been really good this year, but it was a three inning save. So. It was uh, within three runs, so it would have been saving if he pitched one inning, but he pitched three. You don't see three-inning saves much anymore um, considering he is uh, just a reliever. Um, but he's a guy who gave them multiple innings that night, so he's another one to keep an eye on. And Angel, Martinez, and Will Bartlett continue to be uh, the best hitters in Lynchburg besides Prees and Noel who are out, and obviously they have had, had a hard time scoring runs without those two, especially Noel who's been the heart of their offense. But I've really liked Martinez this year. In it for a lot of power. Let's get to one question we have this week, and let's get to our Player of the Week uh, picks. Um, Mac Robinson, good friend of the site, podcast, just in general, he was with I- not with Ivy he's with the Lake County Captains a couple of years back. Um, is with ninety two point three now, I believe. And Jacob, I'll let you take this one. How soon until Gabriel Arias could be ready for big league action? He wants to know.
1: Yeah, it's a good question there from Mac Robinson. You know, I think Gabriel Arias is still going to need some time to develop. You know, you got guys like Andres Jimenez and Ernie Clement, you know, who have proven that they've gone to the big league ball club. But, you know, Gabriel Arias, I think he started out really well uh, to the minor league season, didn't have the best week um, this past week against the Sounds. You know, he went one for four on Sunday, and then on Saturday kind of led him with that performance, you know, going one for three again with a walk drawn. And so he's got a little bit of patience to him. Um, he's also another one of those infielders who's played, I believe, second, short, and third, um, if need be. And so, being only 21 years old, I expect Gabriel Arias to just need probably the rest of the season to develop. Um, I'd be surprised if he comes through as a, as a late-season call-up, but uh, I, I wouldn't say this season yet for Gabriel Arias, um, being 21 years old and just one of those victims of these early-season slumps a little bit. He's only hitting .211, uh, but his OVP is you know, around 32%, 33%, and so that that'll play a little bit. Um, Definitely want to see those numbers bump up for a guy like Arias, who's been highly regarded, and his tools are there. I like his speed. I like his glove a little bit. Um, Just would like to see him do a little bit more with the bat um, and playing at AAA and being 21 years old. um, You can expect a little bit of some overmatched scenarios a little bit. So a little bit of a wait time on Arias. um, So we just expect guys like Jimenez and Ernie Clement to get these line share um, in the near term. But with Gabriel Arias, if he grows into his, his frame a little bit, adjusts to
0: these AAA pitchers, um, he's definitely somebody to keep an eye on. Yeah, I would say September call-up or, or sometime next year. Um, also, I think it depends on what they do with Cesar Hernandez. If, if Cleveland decides they're going to continue to try to make a run for the division this year or a wild card, they'll hang on to Cesar Hernandez, and that blocks a spot for Arias, at least one of them. Uh, who knows what they'll do with Ahmed Rosario and Andres Jimenez, and Owen Miller is already up. So there's a lot of guys they have at bats for up there now. Um, but I would say, at best, September call it myself. and That's okay. Like you said, he's got some growing to do, especially with this approach. Um, defensively, I don't think there's any question he can play shortstop right now and vie oh, yeah. for a gold glove. I think his defense is that good. But <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, I think for sure. Offensively, you want to see him grow a little bit at AAA. This is also his first exposure to AAA. So there's no need to rush him either. Mm-hmm. Um, he is young. Let's see. All right. Jacob, I'm going to have you pick who won last week, and I'll, I'll bring up the stats if I need to. Um, it was Caleb and I last week. So I picked Daniel Spino and Nolan Jones. Caleb picked Tyler Freeman and Logan T. Allen. Do you need the stats, or, or do you, who do you feel like took last week? Let's see. I think
1: for me, you know, just looking at this Columbus organization, there are a lot of guys who could bounce back. So for me – um, you know, a little bit of audio just cut out there, Justin, but, uh, Columbus has a lot of guys who could rebound. Uh, I think that's a good theme to watch this week. Um, but, uh, some audio did cut out there.
0: Okay. I was just asking. So what I, what we normally do is I'll have whoever is co-hosting pick the winner of last week's contest. So last week mm-hmm. I picked Daniel Espino uh, and Nolan Jones as my picks for players of the week. And Caleb picked Tyler Freeman and Logan T. Allen. So, um, do you want me to read off the stats here, or do you feel like you you know who won last week?
1: Uh, I feel like I could know who won a little bit early just from my Columbus notebook. But, yeah, let's read off some stats. Let's see how their weeks were.
0: All right. So let's get these guys up real quick. Daniel Espino, as I mentioned, um, four innings pitched, um, seven strikeouts last week in his outing. Uh, gave up an earned run. Let me see if I can – you know you know, Nolan Jones' line last week better than I do, actually. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. He went, uh,
1: He, was, he, he you know, I'll save it for a little bit later, but he went four for 19. He scored four runs, and three of his four hits were for extra bases and doubles, and then he also drew five walks. So a bit of an impressive week for Nolan Jones, um, one of his better weeks so far at the AAA level.
0: Tyler Freeman last week. Uh, let's see. Ooh, yeah, I might have lost last week. Tyler Freeman had two, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten hits last week. Uh, Two doubles, uh, one, two, three RBIs and a couple of steals. Logan T. Allen, uh, his start last week, went uh, six innings, allowed no runs, two, two hits, a walk, five strikeouts. Those are some good numbers right there. That's, and I, I thought, you
1: know, you were a little bit of a front runner there because I did pick Nolan Jones as my player of the week for Columbus. But, you know, if you have 10 hits in a six-game series, Tyler Freeman, that's, that's really strong right there. And Logan Allen's outing right there just kind of backs it up. So it looks like I'm had to go with Caleb last week for his picks. Um, really oh, strong man. performances from
0: Tyler Freeman, you know. Oh, wow. Yeah, Tyler Freeman has been a popular pick on here, and he continues to, to come through. So. Mm -hmm. uh let's see right now the field is two and I've got one so Willie and Caleb so far uh have a win I've got one win I don't want I don't want to put myself against a single person each week because I'm always the one hosting and I'm (laughs) rotating the co-host but the field so far has me beat two to one let's Mm -hmm. go with this week's picks I know you're sticking with Columbus guys and we just talked about Gabriel Arias so uh who are your picks this week for player of the week
1: yeah, kind of vouched my case for Gabriel Arias a little bit. I liked his, liked his bat in the series prior to last week. So if he can come around, maybe he can kind of outdo a little bit of Tyler Freeman and outdo his teammate Nolan Jones. But my pitcher pick for the week was Manny Alvarez. You know, he was a guy who got one of the spot starts uh, last week when Columbus needed a starting pitcher. But I've liked Alvarez's stuff. He's got a fastball that really runs the radar gun. He can mix a little bit, um, and with that, his strikeout numbers are high. And so for a guy like that, those tools. Um, definitely be my pick of the week to kind of rebound. I know his ERAs really ballooned here, but um, you know he's somebody whose stuff could really overpower some hitters. So with Indianapolis kind of needing some guys on their own to rebound, maybe he can kind of capitalize on that um, and really allow his stuff to
0: overmatch some of those opposing hitters. I would not be surprised if we see Manny Alvarez uh, serve as an opener in some Bolton games if need be, and he could pitch the back end of the – bullpen as well, especially with uh, Goze and T.J. Johnson now gone, and uh, he was the guy I liked a lot in Lake County. He made the Midwest League All-Star Game when it was still called the Midwest League. Um, As a closer, he's got good stuff. I like him. I'm going to go back to the well with a couple guys. I picked Savion Curry a few weeks ago just because he's had a really good season. Um, So far, he's been one of the best stories in the system, I would say. So I'm going to go back to the well with him, and I'm also going to stick with Lynchburg, and I'm going to pick Angel Martinez, who just continues to hit the ball and get on base. He's got almost as many walks as strikeouts and has been hitting at the top of the order uh, for the Hillcats as they've got um, a big tilt coming up this week with Salem. And they, they had some problems with Salem earlier in the in May where they lost... Uh, I'm sorry, they, they split it 3-3, three and three, but there were some very lopsided games. They won a game 10-1. to They lost a game 10-2. So... It's going to be an interesting week for them, especially if they have some guys that are out. So Angel Martinez is a the guy they need to kind of carry the load for them. Uh, I realized we didn't really get to Akron, but I, t- I think I kind of covered Akron, just their weird week with double headers. Um, and a couple guys that gave them good starts. They've had some struggles this year as well. Jacob, anything, uh, any parting words for the listeners today?
1: Yeah, I think um, the big theme for Columbus this past week is about rebounding and they're heading into Indianapolis, who was a team that also was swept at Omaha last week. And just some glancing at their team numbers, they got the fourth lowest team batting average in AAA East. Uh, They're pitching the, however, fourth best ERA. And so, you know, if they're pitching, can, you know, match their numbers in a sense and with Columbus's offense being a little bit bleak last week, it could be a similar trend, um, if they don't jump out say on Tuesday or Wednesday. But I think the big thing for Columbus this week coming up, you know, you can't let teams score first on you with regularity. And like we mentioned earlier, you know, Nashville did that in each of the first three innings in all six games. And so maybe if they can jump ahead a little bit, Columbus has those those names on the roster that, you know, they're on the cusp of heading to the major leagues. And so with guys like Nolan Jones, Arias and Jimenez, you know, I like them all in the infield and Bobby Bradley there at first base, there's a lot of potential. And with the minor leagues uh, season, you know, inching towards that month mark being a month back after uh, that year hiatus, you're going to see a lot of guys hit their routines. And so it's going to be a really, um, really interesting week. I think here in week four, week, week three, four and five for a lot of organizations.
0: Yeah, keep an eye on Columbus and uh, follow Jacob again at Jacob Benge B-E-N-G-E. Also follow uh, fellow Columbus supporter Stacey Hannon at Stacey and one Stacy with uh, a Y. You've both been doing a great job down in Columbus so far. I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you're getting a lot out of it. Um, I've certainly enjoyed reading your work and, and looking it over every night, and uh, I feel like we're providing Readers with a good good amount of insight what's going on at Columbus, which has been um, an important, I mean, they're always important, but especially this year with how many guys have come up and down, I feel like with how young the roster is, people have gotten a really good look at what's been going on down there. Um, Jacob, thanks for being on this week. Go enjoy the rest of your, your holiday, and uh, we'll catch up again soon. Absolutely, Justin. Really honored to be on your podcast this week. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, and in again next week, like I said, we'll have, uh, I think next week we'll have Willie Hood on to do a bit of a draft. Uh, we're about a month away from the draft. It'll be July July 11th is when the first, uh, first day of the draft is. So next Monday will be close to a month away. It'll be June 7th. So we're going to try to go draft next week now that we made the rotation through all of our affiliates that we have reporters for. Thanks, as always, for listening. Oh, I did want to mention, too, um thanks for everybody who listens uh i don't know where this list comes from or who makes it but um i have to go back through and find it again on twitter feedspot blog whatever they are um thanks to them they uh we were selected as one of the top 25 minor league baseball podcasts uh on the web so thanks to all those who listen um download rate subscribe all that good stuff and uh thanks to jacob thanks to the rest of our guys uh covering the system because we would not have any information to talk about if it weren't for our great staff uh so once again thanks for listening we'll catch you again later in the week